I appreciate you being here today. You know, this is the time of year when your New Year's resolutions are still new, which means that you're hopefully still on track with them. Now, let's just be honest. How many of you still, how many of you are still on track with your resolution or resolutions? Raise your hand. Raise it up high. Come on. Okay. Uh, either you, you've done really, really bad, or you didn't make, re- how many people did not make a resolution? I got nothing to preach about. <laughs> okay, let's go home. I mean, you just took out half my sermon right here, all right? I assumed that you would make a resolution or two. Uh, uh, since you didn't, let me tell you what my resolution is. All right? My wife asked me the other day, and I really didn't respond to her, never did really ex- answer her, but I'll answer her now and tell you your pastor's New Year's resolution. My goal in 2016 is to do the things I said I was going to do in 2015 that I intended to do in 2014 that I wrote down in 2013. That's what I'm aiming for. And since you didn't do any resolutions, let me ask you this question. What if we just kind of gave up on the idea of resolutions altogether? What if we approach 2016 not from the concept of, of what can I do, but what about if we approach the concept or, or through the concept of what would God want to do in my life? See, the thing that the, the, the reason that resolutions are a problem for some of us, and there's a few of you that made resolutions, uh, and, but the reason that resolutions are a problem for some of us is because resolutions tend to focus on ourselves. We tend to focus on what we're able to do. What if we didn't do that this year? What if rather than focus on ourselves and what we're going to try real hard to do, what if we decided to focus on God's promises this year rather than our resolutions? Well, we're starting a new series today that will look at four big promises of God that He's made to you and me that we can claim in the year ahead. Now, as some of you look at 2016, you need more than a resolution. You need the promises of God because of what you're facing. As some of you look at 2016, you're facing some really hard things. That chair in the living room is empty now because you lost a spouse this past year. Or for some of you, you still need a job. You've been looking. You haven't gotten it yet. Or for some of you, you're you're starting cancer treatments this year. And all that that involves physically and financially and emotionally. Or some of you are still perhaps hoping to get pregnant. You know, you you and your husband, you've tried and you spent about all your money and and you wonder if 2016 is going to be another year of frustration. Or maybe some of you are trying to take care of your aging parents and, and that can be such a trying ordeal emotionally for you trying to understand what they need and how do you take care of them? How do you manage the time and all of that kind of thing? Some of you are facing very real challenges this year and you don't really need resolution or or a resolution. You need 
a promise to hang on to. And for some of you, it's not what you're facing this year that's the big issue, but it's what's behind you that is the big issue. Because when you, it's hard for you to look forward at 2016 because when you look back at 2015, that's where your attention is most of the time. You look back at 2015 at the times that you've messed up, it's hard to focus on 2016 because of the regrets of 2015. The regrets and the failures and there are moments in 2015 you're ashamed of. There are moments when you blew it. There are things that you wish you could redo or perhaps undo. And you need the promises of God too, but for a totally different reason. You don't need the promises of God because of the challenges that you're going to face this coming year. You need the promises of God because you need to know that there's more grace in God's heart than there is sin in your past. You need the promises of God because you need to know that next year can be different from last year. Resolutions are fine for the three of you who made a resolution. Resolutions are fine. But this year, I think all of us would do better if we had New Year promises. So here's what I want you to understand as we go through this series. God's far less concerned about what you can do. And He's far more concerned about what He can do in you. And that's what will make 2016 different. What if, this year, we relied on God's strength more than we did ours. Don't you think that might be a different year? Don't you think that might be a better year? If we, in 2016, decided to rely more on God's strength than ours. How do we do that? Here's how you do it. You do it by leaning into the promises of God. In 1956, there was a school teacher named Everett Storms. Everett R. Storms. Kind of unusual name. He lived in Kitchener, Canada. And in 1956, as he was reading through the Bible for the 27th time. 2-7. As he was reading through the Bible for the 27th time, he began to notice something he didn't notice in the other 26 times he read it. He began to take note of all the promises that are in God's Word. And he started writing them down. It took him a year and a half to do this. But as he read through the entire Bible, over a period of a year and a half, he began to tally the promises of God, and he found out that there were 7,487 promises in the Bible that God made to man. 7,487. Wouldn't it be great for you just to hang on to one or two of those? Don't you think that maybe God has something in store for your life this year? Don't you think that perhaps He's made a promise or two that you could use? Now, let's start with a very basic question. What is a promise? A promise is a commitment to do something. And in its most basic form, a promise is a commitment to do something. It is a commitment where God commits Himself to do something for you, with you, or in you, or through you. It's a commitment that God makes to do something. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you another question. I'm going to ask for your participation. Hopefully you're better at this than you were the last question I asked you. Here's the question. How many of you have made a promise to someone before? Raise your hand. 
All right, now that's much better. I think that's probably, I don't have my glasses on, but I think it's probably unanimous, near unanimous. You've made promises to somebody. We've all done that. We've all made a promise. But now watch this. How many of you have made a promise and then you've broken that promise? I'm surprised at the number of people that did not raise their hand. Most of you did though. Most of you were honest. Most, most of you didn't lie in church. Most of you raised your hand and said, yes, I've made a promise that I, that I didn't keep. I made a promise that I broke. Now, now we don't break all of our promises. We, we keep some of them. In fact, we might even keep most of them. Uh, but there are times that we do make a promise that we don't keep, and there's usually two reasons, one of two reasons that we break our promises. Number one, the first reason we break our promises is because our hearts are crooked. Here's what I mean by that. The Bible talks about our hearts being sinful. We have a sinful heart, and because we have a sinful heart, because our hearts are twisted, because our hearts are crooked, we sometimes say something and promise something, and later on, we decide not to do it. We know what we promised our spouse. We know what we promised our child. We know what we said we would do, but there's something twisted in us. There's something wicked in us. There's there's a part in us, in our hearts, that's filled with sin. And, And even though we promised we never would do that again, or we never would take that again, or we never would drink that again, or we never would go there again, or we never would, or or we promised that we would do something, even though we know what we said, we chose not to do it because sometimes our hearts are just so twisted. We know what we said, but we're not going to do it. There's a second reason, and this one will hit most of you. second reason we don't keep our promises sometimes is because we sometimes promise things that we're not strong enough or smart enough to do. Our intentions are good, right? I mean, we intend to do what we say we're going to do. We intend to keep the promise. We intend to do what we promise our child or or our spouse or our employer. We intend to go where we say we're going to go. We intend to buy what we say we're going to buy. We intend to give what we say we're going to give. But but we just aren't smart enough to see the future. We we don't we don't have that knowledge or that capability or that ability that power to do everything we promise to do. In other words. There's a limit to our strength. There's a limit to our ability. There's a limit to our knowledge. Would you agree with that? Let me tell you something. Get ready to put an amen in here. That'll help me. That might be true of you, but that's not true of God. God is not limited. God doesn't say, you know, I know what I promised you, but I I just don't have the resources for that. God is never going to say that to you. I know what I promised you, but I just don't have the power to make that one happen. God's never going to say that to you. You see, that's not true of God. God knows everything. God is all-powerful, which is why when God makes a promise, He's able to keep His promise. No matter the circumstances or situation, God knows everything, has the power to do anything. Therefore, when He promises something, He can and He will deliver. And all God's people said, I want to show you this in Scripture. Today's going to be kind of a survey. Uh, Next week we'll start looking at individual promises. But today's kind of a survey, so we're going to be all over the Bible today. We're going to start out in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4.
Romans chapter 4, beginning verse 18. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Against all hope. Notice how this statement begins. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Now, that's, if we just stopped right there, that would be enough to, to kind of grab our attention and say, well, that's, that's kind of amazing. Don't even know the whole story yet. But it's kind of amazing that against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so it makes me want to read and say, believed what? And, and he tells us. Look with me in verse 18 again. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Verse 19, how how did all this happen? Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Now, you don't have to be a Bible reader to understand this part of the Scripture. You don't have to be a Christian to understand this part of the Scripture. When God made a promise to Abraham, and the promise was, Abraham, um, you're going to be the father of many nations. I know you're 100 years old, but you're going to be a daddy. You don't have to be a Bible reader to, to understand. That one doesn't seem like it's going to be fulfilled. That doesn't seem like a promise that anybody's going to be able to keep. That's why it says against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Now, we keep reading. Verse 20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the what? The promise of God. But was strengthened in his faith. And gave glory to God. I love this phrase. He was strengthened in his faith. There was something about the promise that gave him strength. There was something about the promise that gave him hope. There was something about that promise that kept him going. There was something about that promise that became an anchor for him. But he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Being, I love this phrase too, being fully persuaded. Not hopeful but fully persuaded that God had power to do what He had promised. That God had power to do what He had promised. This is why it was credited to Him as righteousness. These words, it was credited to Him, were written not for Him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in Him, who raised Jesus the Lord from the dead. Here's the story of a man named Abraham who against all hope believed God. Not because Abraham had it within himself to accomplish what was promised. But Abraham believed God because of what God said. He believed God because God promised it. He believed that when God said something, he had the power and the ability and the resources to bring that promise to fruition. He believed that when God made a promise, God was going to keep it. He believed that what God said, he could do. Maybe he had read his Bible. Maybe he had read in Psalms. Would you read with me? Read in Psalm 145. Psalm 145, verse 13.
Psalm 145, verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. Now get your pen ready. The Lord is faithful to all His promises, and loving toward all He has made. The Lord is faithful to all His promises. So when you're reading a scripture in 2016, and you identify this is a promise from God, this is a promise God has given us, you can mark that Bible and say, the Lord is faithful to all of His promises. And when it turns into weeks, or into months, or maybe even into years, and you keep reading this promise, I know God said this, I know God promised this, you need to come back to this verse and say, the Lord is faithful to all of His promises. You see, so much of what God wants to do in your life is related to a promise. Just think through Scripture with me for a few moments. I told you about Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. God says, through you, through your seed, I want to make many nations and bless the entire world. And all of that was predicated, all that was built upon a promise. Think with me through the Bible. As God's people left Egypt, they went towards the what land? The promised land. It was the promised land they were heading to. Think through the Bible with me. Let's skip to the New Testament. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus tells the disciples about the promise of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 9, it tells us that we are children of the promise. In Galatians chapter 3, it tells us that we are heirs according to the promise. In Titus chapter 1, it talks about eternal life promised to us long ago. There is one scripture after another that tells us again and again and again that what God does in our life, He often does through a promise. He doesn't always do it immediately. He doesn't always do it today. He doesn't always do it when you think He should. But what God does, He often does through a promise. Now, there's one scripture that speaks to that more clearly than any other scripture I know of, and it's in 2 Peter chapter 1. Would you go there with me? I told you this is kind of a survey. 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3. His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Verse 4. Through these, He has given us His very, notice this, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that, underline this, through them, so that through them, these great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. How do you access the power of God in your life? How do you become what God wants you to become? How do you accomplish what God wants you to accomplish? This is where the promises of God come in. He prom- His promises are, are there for us to enable us to access His divine power. Now, I want to give you a word picture that might help you understand the promises of God and to think about the promises of God in this context over the next four weeks. I want you to think of the promises of God as an extension cord. Think of the promises of God as an extension cord. Now, 
probably lots of you have an extension cord in your house. Uh, you've got an extension cord in your garage. You, you, you know about extension cords, but let me just paint the picture for you. Let's say that you've got a lamp and you want to set this lamp here. There's just one problem. There's no place to plug it in. Now you've got one of two options. You can move the lamp over to here where the, the plug-in is, but that's not where you want it. You want the lamp over here where there is no plug-in. So somebody, I don't know who, maybe I should have Googled it before the message, somebody years ago decided, I've got an idea. And they probably got rich off of it. Why don't we make an extension cord? Something so that you can put the lamp where you want it and run the cord, watch this, run the cord over to the power. And so now, we plug the, the extension cord in, power travels through that extension cord to the lamp so it can be where we want to place it. If you look in this passage of Scripture, it says in verse 4, in verse 3, I'm sorry, his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, these great and precious promises, through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires." God's promises allow you to participate in the divine nature. God's promises allow you to escape the corruption of the world. God's promises are like an extension cord, watch this, that connect you to God. That connect you with no power to the God who has all power. God's promises are that extension cord that connects you, the one who is weak and helpless, to the one who has the power that you need. God's promises are there for your benefit. So here's my goal that the Bible lays out for all of us. Here's my goal for you in 2016. You didn't set a resolution, but maybe I can give you a goal. Here's my goal for you. Is that you and I would become more like God and less like the world in 2016. Become more like God and less like the world. You say, well, how are we going to do that? How are we going to become more like God and less like the world? It says in the Scripture in 1 Peter that the way we do that is by accessing, leaning into, getting connected to the promises of God. Because when we get access to, lean into, are connected to the promises of God, we have access to His power. We have access to His ability. And He can begin to do a work in us that we could not do on our own if we're sitting over here unplugged. So, I want to give you something to write down. Some of you are taking notes. I want to give you something to write down. It's kind of a key point to this message before I close. I've got a couple of key points here, but here's the first one. Number one, a promise is not an answer. It's an anchor. A promise is not an answer. It's an anchor. God has made some very specific promises that can anchor us in the storms we go through. Over the next four weeks or so, we're going to look at some of God's promises that He's made for us, and they will serve as an anchor for our lives.
But, but it's, that's what these promises are. It's something to hold on to. Something to hold us in place. It's, it's, it's not an answer. It's an anchor. But here's the second thing to write down. God's promises are always connected to God's purposes. God's not about the business of just making promises like Santa Claus does. God's promises are always connected to God's purposes. In other words, His promises are always linked to what He wants to do in your life. So whatever it is He's working on in your life to shape you, to make you more like Christ, whatever it is He's doing in your life to make you more like God, less like the world, God's promises are always linked to what God's doing in your life and what He wants to do in your life. It's always linked to His purpose that He wants to accomplish in you. So write this down on your notes. Nothing is accidental or incidental with God. Nothing is accidental or incidental with God's. God's promises are not like a, a genie lamp that you rub and, and you get whatever you want or need to make you feel good. God's promises are connected to His purposes. It's not accidental that He gave you that promise. It's not incidental that He gave you that promise. That promise is there to help you be what He wants you to be. Now I want to give you one example of this. Go to the Old Testament. Book of Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23 is Joshua's farewell message to the people that he had been leading for, for many years in the promised land. He, he led them to go into the promised land, to conquer the promised land. And, and I want you to see in Joshua 23 what he said about God and God's promises. Here is the testimony of a man who learned to lean into the promises of God, who learned to lean more on what God's promised than on what he was able to do. Joshua 24, verse 13. I say it's not. Uh, it is 23, verse 14. 23, verse 14. Here's what it says Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth, that is, I'm about to die. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise, would you say those? Every promise. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Here's what I want you to know about God's promises. He always keeps them. God always keeps them. He's not like some politicians who will tell you what you want to know so they can get your vote. He's not like that spouse who promised you at the marriage altar that they would be faithfully yours and then they walked away. He's not like that business partner who promised to uphold his part of the, of the contract and then he moved out of town and left you with the bills. God is faithful to His Word and faithful to His promises. And the last scripture I want you to see is, is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Because God is faithful to what He says, to what He promised. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly to what we profess. In, even in the hard days, even the, in the years where everything is uncertain, even when you're about to start cancer treatments, even when you're about to, to 
they're, they're about to foreclose on your house. Even when things are falling apart in your life, let us hold unswervingly to our hope because God is faithful to what He's promised. I don't know about you, but it just makes sense to me. Maybe this year would be a better year if I leaned less into my resolutions about what I'm going to try to do and I leaned more into God's promises and what He wants to do in my life. That just makes more sense to me. That maybe this year is the year I really try to focus on what is it that God wants to do in my life. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to open God's Word together. We're going to look at four big promises God's made that you can identify with that will be an anchor for your faith, an anchor for your family, and that might push you down the road closer to the man or the woman God wants you to be. Let me pray with you about that. Father, thank you for this word today for reminding us that it is in the promises of God that we find the power of God. Reminding us that it is in your promises that we find the hope that we need. It's in your promises that we find the power that we need. It is in your promises that we see that you are at work in our lives. God, just as surely as you made promises to Abraham because of what you wanted to do in and through Abraham. Would you in our hearts and in our lives. Show us the promises of your word. Show us your plan for us. Help us to trust you today. To hold unswervingly to the faith we profess. Knowing that he who promised is faithful. So I want to pray over these dear people, Lord, that that are either looking back at 2015 with great regret or those that are looking forward at 2016 with, with great challenges. Help us all to lean into the promises of your word, finding the hope and the faith and the strength that we need to live our life for you. And I ask that in Christ's name. Amen.